Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Comedy Album Book Club. We're having another comedy pizza party with our friends from Big Chick Energy. Uh, Big Chick Energy are a Toronto-based sketch comedy troupe consisting of friends of the podcast Alicia Carrick and Emily Milling, as well as Julia Jones, Joanne Tacorda, and Sam Sexton. They joined me uh, via Zoom uh, to chat about Ali Wong's special, Baby Cobra. Uh, Ali Wong is an American-based comedian born in 1982, a San Francisco native who started her career in 2005. Her style is inspired by Chris Rock and would often touch on her experiences living in the city and uh, as a young Asian woman with an honest lens of lived experience. Uh, Ali's resume is nothing if not impressive. Uh, While Baby Cobra was her breakout comedy special on Netflix, it was followed up with a second special, Hard Knock Wife, and her film, Always Be My Maybe, produced with her friend Randall Park. But many aren't aware of her prolific career. In addition to the previously mentioned work, she has worked as a writer and story editor for Fresh Off the Boat, and holds 21 performance credits, has made multiple appearances as herself on Chelsea Lately, Hey Girl, and Best Week Ever, and not to mention being named one of 2011's 10 Comedians to Watch by Variety magazine. Baby Cobra was released in 2016 on Netflix and clocks in at about a tight 60 minutes. The entire special is just packed with energy and bravado that is inspiring to watch. Unfortunately, due to Netflix's not entirely transparent policies around ratings and viewer counts, it's a bit hard to tell you exactly how many people watched Baby Cobra, uh, but it was a critical smash uh, and with 100% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an 81% audience score. Further, her continued success illustrates the special really was truly special. Last year, she released her book, Dear Girls, Intimate Tales, Untold Secrets, and Advice for Living Your Best Life. She's called it a life guide for her two young daughters. When? They've got a little bit older. So grab a slice, sit back, and have fun while we talk about Ali Wong's Baby Cobra. So I want to welcome everybody to Comedy Album Book Club. Uh, this this episode, I am joined by Joanne, Alicia, Emily, Julia, and Sam from Big Chick Energy. Uh, yeah. Thank you for joining us today. Woo. Thank you for having us. So uh, 
yeah, we just listened, uh, we just watched uh, Baby Cobra uh, by Ali Wong, uh, which is her first of two comedy specials that she has done. Uh, so yeah, so you, we, when we were talking about all of you coming on the show, we had a few ideas bounce around like 30 Rock and a couple of other things. What, um, what made this one, uh, this special and Ali Wong sort of rise to the top and be what, what you selected? I personally love it just because of her persona on stage. She's just no holds barred. She's crass and she does not apologize, which I really appreciate. <laughs> Yeah. And I do feel like I always seek out comedians who are women or identify as women and who are women of color, just because that's a voice I feel like don't hear enough of. And I really appreciate this special because it just hits so hard and it's just such excellent writing. Yes. Yeah. 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 Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that it's a really good point about kind of like her stage presence and her charisma because a lot of the jokes like some of them are pretty out there like they're pretty crass and like coming from somebody else I would be like oh but coming from her you're like oh she's just so likable mm -hmm. um and it just goes to show like how important that is um in comedy I watched this special before I got into comedy really and it was like the first one where I was like hey this is like really like actually relatable to where I was in my life too like we were around around the same age going I wasn't I didn't have a child or anything but like just the things that she was saying about like being over your 20s and like getting into like adult stuff and I was like that's funny and like the stuff about third world moms hoarding was like I was like yes that is my life like that for sure is my life so yeah and I was watching uh, Fresh Off the Boat at the time too and it was like so funny and I was like this is awesome obviously because I was just like I don't know, like growing up, I, I didn't really think too much about representation, but then when I saw it, I was like, this is cool. I like it. <laughs> so yeah, that was one of my favorite uh, specials. I just, uh, I hadn't seen a special until just now when we watched it, um, but I've watched her movie um, Always Be My Maybe like five billion times. Um, yeah. It's just the sweetest rom-com ever, and I love a good rom-com, and it's so... Um, it's so very much like the type of female personality and character that I want to see more of. Uh, and uh, she's hilarious in the first place. Um, but also her, her work on Tuca and Birdie. Um, and I didn't know until just now that she wrote on Fresh Off the Boat. And that yep. is also a hilarious show. So, um, so being a little bit of a noob to Ali Wong, except for maybe her movie that I've watched too many times. Um, <laughs> Um, I really found that whole that whole set so refreshing and relatable on on so many levels. Yeah, uh, it, it's she's very funny. She's a funny person. <laughs> I second that. She's a very funny person. Um, that was that was that was my first time watching anything Ali oh. Wong. Like, and mm -hmm. I there's been a lot of comedy on Netflix, as we all know. It's kind of like our big source for a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of people that have uh, numerous stand-ups as well, or at, like, at least um, specials, I guess, which is great. And I, I saw Ali Wong floating around on there, but I just, I, there's just a lot of content you got to get through. Yeah. And 
and I feel like I've also just like taken a backseat to watching a ton of like comedy on Netflix specifically but like this was such a breath of fresh air to watch especially Mm -hmm. like taking such a long break from watching Netflix comedies and just I mean pandemic related Mm -hmm. domestic sort of um new husband wife scenario that i'm in and also like like all the sex stuff it's so real (laughs) (laughs) it really is and uh, i just found that to be so like light but also very real and Mm -hmm. still there's like there's a certain element of like the heaviness to it too and the seriousness of just like how important it is that like she is out there saying these words and it's it's so nice to watch and just fun she's fun on stage yeah delightful now um so i know a few of you this was your first exposure um this was this every uh everybody's well and emily your first exposure was uh always be my maybe um but was this everybody else's first entry into ali wong and her comedy no i watched hard 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 knock wife is that it the the Mm -hmm. second special um when that came out and I thought it was really funny and then I also saw the movie um and then yeah this is her first special which I so I kind of went backwards but um yeah I think I watched Fresh Off the Boat first and then I was like oh she's also doing this thing and I was like okay and I think Netflix was new to me at the time too so I was like oh let's see what's on here (laughs) Hmm? I gotta watch some more of her stuff she's great it's interesting Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say that it's interesting how she's pregnant in both specials. Yes. Yeah. I read somewhere that, like, I don't know if she actually did it on purpose, but it made it sound like she did it on purpose, where she said she wanted to, um, like, if, if, if doing the first special, she, um, it kind of, like, blew up her career, she wanted to associate that success with her child, because... A lot of female comedians, after they have kids, they just kind of disappear. Yeah. So she didn't, she didn't want it to be the same for her. Mm-hmm. I saw her live when she came to Toronto for Just for Last. Yeah. A couple years ago. And she was pregnant, and I guess that was around the same time when she was also well, filming. She recorded it at the Winter Garden. Okay. So I, I was there for the second night um, of the show. Uh, like, I first saw her on... on at midnight and I was like oh she's hilarious because mm-hmm. even then in this like really confined she dominated that panel mm-hmm. because she's just like her voice is so distinct and so she just she's like yeah no I'm not gonna let a bunch of Chris Hardwick's friends tell me what to say on this stage I'm this is my my platform you you guys just fucking roll with it uh so that's when I first saw her but then I saw the special and we at JFL 42 like two years ago three years mm-hmm. ago uh, yeah, so she, I, there, she was performing two nights. First night was at the Winter Garden, and it was recording. Then the second night, they were like saying they might do some pickups at the uh, the, so- the Sony Center at the time. Yeah, that's where I saw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is it was it, I at first too. I thought, oh, is this a bit because her first special mm-hmm. she was pregnant, and it didn't really sort of she didn't tap into it in quite the same way. Mm-hmm. in the second special uh so it's like oh it's just, is she just doing a thing now but then it's like no she's actually pregnant um so yeah i also thought it was fake <laughs> i was like yeah. is she going to say something yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it, it was interesting the dynamic too like 
the there's a lot of material she that's cut from the, the Hard Knock Wife special that was local. Obviously, they're not going to have the Toronto material in there, but also about the audience because there is is a a very diverse audience that this this audience was not like the, watching the sh shots of this the audience in this special it's like that's a really white san francisco crowd which mm. which was like it was interesting because like that kind of sort of i find her material is very accessible mainly because it touches on so many different vectors of of funny mm. um and like you know she she's got for me, it's like the like it's like she can touch every group. Like for like middle class white people like me, it's like the hippie shit. It's like she's like going on hikes and all this this crap, <laughs> and I'm like feel like I'm a white person pretending to be Asian, and it's just like you know the the like oh she does the same things as me. Like that's the this this super middle class crap that that we do. So it's like oh there's a point of reference for everybody but then she's got like I fuck skater dudes and stuff. So like wait that's not a point of reference for everyone? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> um but how do you what do you all find sort of like is there a point that you really find resonates with you like I know Joanne you talked about how there's you were going through a lot of similar experiences like what about her material really um you feel lines up there were so skater much... boys <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah go ahead <laughs> sorry <laughs> okay there was so much like i already mentioned like the mom thing like just keeping things um just as her description of like asian men i guess like i don't relate because <laughs> i'm not a... yeah i'm not i i don't relate as much because i was joking on the chat that like I'm not attracted to Asian men, probably because every time I met an Asian person, they were like my family as a child. <laughs> so I've just always been like, no, cannot be attracted to you. <laughs> my cousin. So we'll just keep a distance. But just like that. And I appreciated though that she was like standing up for Asian men too. I feel like they don't get enough credit for like being like cool and sexy and stuff, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, I don't know. Just, and like, when she was talking about like not being young anymore, I guess, and like your body changing, I was like, yes, you might not see it, but it, I feel it. I feel the change. <laughs> and, and the rest of you, where, where do you? I mean, I, I did say the skater boy thing, but um, in <laughs> truth, the, um, I, I really, really appreciated when she started talking about miscarriages because it is totally true. And I, I was looking at my Facebook memories today and it was like 12 years ago now that I had an ectopic pregnancy, which resulted in a ridiculous amount of surgery. Um, but it's like, um, it was shitty at the time, but it's not something I haven't been able to get over. And I think it is really important for more people to talk about mm -hmm. having miscarriages and that it is like a really big part of life. I know she's right. Like I know a bunch of people who've had them, but we never talk about it. We never talk about it in like a comedy way. Um, obviously, well, for obvious reasons, like it's a very devastating process, but I really, really appreciated that she brought up her mis miscarriage and um she didn't sweep it under the rug but she mm -hmm. she called it out and and said like we must talk more about it but also oh my god the relief that comes along with it you know um it's it's different for everybody right but uh that, i think that really stuck out to me in the whole 
grand scheme of the whole thing, that and the skater boys. Hmm. And it was a, it actually, <laughs> it was an Asian boyfriend, a Chinese boyfriend that uh, provided me with such a seed that would totally blast through my plan B. So like, I'm like, I really <laughs> relate to Ali Wong. Yeah. <laughs> and what, was he like a dolphin? He was like a dolphin. He was like fucking a dolphin. <laughs> This is really into butt stuff too. Like I don't know. It's, <laughs> you know, like out like everything she said. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, I get that. Uh huh. Yeah, twenties, my twenties. Yeah, mm. that's basically it. <laughs> the universal themes, Matt. <laughs> yeah, butt yeah. stuff. Yeah, butt stuff. <laughs> She's able to make it so funny and just yeah. like everyone's thinking it too. Like especially around like the butt stuff part. Hurt. And you know, there's a lot of women in the audience that are probably feeling like, oh, I might actually relate. But like, yeah, you can relate. Yeah, you tried something new. And she talks about it with such strength and confidence that you're just like, yeah, Ali Wong, like you're speaking my language and thank you. It's not weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, and one of the things that I, I really love about her in every, every time that I've seen her in every performance or writing job that I've seen her work on is there's a shamelessness to her material. Um, and I mean, a lot of people use shameless as a bad thing, but I'm thinking being shameless is a good thing because it's like, you're, you're not like scared or afraid of your history and it's, it's an ownership. And I, I find that in a lot of her material, like the, uh, like how she addresses her sexuality in her twenties and, and even in the, like with the sleeping with the homeless people jokes that she did, it would have been so easy for her to punch down, but she didn't. And, and it was, it was like, she aimed it at herself in a self-deprecating way that didn't make, like, it was like, the guy was hot. That's why she slept with him. It's like, <laughs> it's Urban Outfitter's fault. It's not his fault. Uh, that, but yeah. And like, and even like the tag, like that, the, the, when she goes like, she tags it with uh, twice that, uh, that she slept with a homeless guy. And it's just sort of like, oh God. So, yeah. I mean, do you find that? that shameless like just basically being willing to own your experience is useful in comedy yes I think my favorite part of Ali Wong is that she's confident with her storytelling and her persona but she also doesn't like dumb herself down I do feel like that's a little bit of a thing with female comedians who're just like yeah I just like wandered in the bathroom and then I shit myself whatever I don't know that's a terrible example <laughs> But, you know, she's just like, this is my plan, this is what I'm doing, and here's why. Like, she just lays it all out there. These aren't happenstances, some of the things she's talking about. She's like, I locked his ass down for this reason. I made his lunch every day for this reason. I love how calculated she is yeah. in her storytelling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many female comics that are, like, so self-deprecating, like, um, what's her name? I can't think of her right now. Um, but, um, that's fine and it's funny, but like sometimes it gets old. Right. And yeah. she's not like that at all, which is like quite refreshing. Mm -hmm. Be hard to watch when someone's just kind of punching themselves down. Yeah. Just like, Oh man, how much is left? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have another friend who, um, she's not in the comedy world but she went out and that is that she saw a woman comic who was doing that and she's like i just don't want to come out she's that turned her off of comedy entirely because of that sort of that self-deprecating voice that that so many people have to lean on 
and particularly a lot of women comics have been forced to lean uh, into that for a long time. Mm -hmm. Yes, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer, yes. Just own it and, yeah. and, and throw the, the shoulders other, back. <laughs> the other thing that I would say that is nice is she touches on um, like even some kind of like political topics or um, like for instance when she's talking about the um, you know how she has to go to like when her husband um, accompanies her to the doctor's appointments and it's like oh my yeah. gosh like he's such a good husband and father and like how yeah men don't have to do a lot to be seen as like you know amazing compared to women who you know may, may make some small parenting mistakes and it's like you're the worst mom yeah. um but the way she, yeah the way she talks about it is just I don't know it's just very kind of like matter of fact and approachable like it's not you're not kind of like oh this is like it's enjoyable to watch mm -hmm. yeah she she really heightens it i think with the whole like i am here to be a housewife you know like in one moment she's like this is this is gonna be the greatest thing ever and then the second moment she's like um she's really undercutting like she's she's just calling it out and parodying the whole idea of being a um a stay-at-home mom because she's clearly not obviously she no. has a very like ambitious career path that she's mm -hmm. gone through already uh but i think she like she's also giving people permission to be like yeah no i, I don't want to just only be ambitious all the time like I, I would like to just lie on the floor for a while maybe yeah. Yeah. i, I like, really like that about it too yeah that everybody you should have a choice to do yeah. what you want to do mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah I should have a choice to have a, an extremely rich Harvard grad husband with seventy thousand dollars in debt. Sure. <laughs> oh, but it was beautiful at the end. How did he yeah. bamboozle me? Yeah. <laughs> I love how she put the word bamboozled into her set like two, three times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like one of the things too I love about her material is like it's is there's it's de joke dense on multiple levels. Like if you were to listen to this, it would be a funny album. Uh, because it's joke dense verbally but there's these act outs that she does where she uses her physicality as well mm -hmm. whereas like the faces that she pulls or like the point when she like it's like she's a guy and the girl trying to do the butt stuff and he's like no and, like reaching <laughs> yeah. behind or, or lying on the floor with her legs up for the the coital draining as uh, kind of thing it's it's just like it she really feels masterfully in control of every element of her set that I, I find and really the fact that she's pregnant doing all of these things yes. too yeah. and that she is being like sexual even when she's pregnant like she's not this like very virginal pregnant mm -hmm. woman if that makes sense yeah. like innocent like super innocent like how we are trained to think of pregnant people yeah. she's still and it makes her sexier yeah. <laughs> like, like in a very tight dress I know yeah again owning it i think uh, just the stance she has on stage she just kind of knows how ridiculous she looks with this giant bump and this mm -hmm. tight little dress and just yeah. has this little hip cocked out yeah. so it's just like what's up <laughs> yeah. and she's like bent fun. over like a 90 degree <laughs> majority of the time too it's great yeah. um now she has a really distinct voice uh, like i feel like watching this special and then watching her other roles uh like in bojack horseman um inside amy schumer uh 
like like all of these different like she was on uh, are you there chelsea uh for for a while um but actually she's also in a show called american housewives uh or housewife as a housewife so she she gets to play one on tv uh <laughs> that, but, that's not a reality show is it no 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 it's, it's a it's a sitcom it's a pretty by the book sitcom which is like as like that's a weird choice but at the same time it's like well, she wants her mortgage money, so she mm-hmm. spent seventy thousand dollars getting her her Harvard grad husband out of debt. So I, under, I understand doing that, uh, but I feel like her voice carries through to all of her projects. Um, like, like if you watch Fresh Off the Boat, uh, Constant Lose Jessica sounds a lot like her, um, and the the main character her character in Always Be My Maybe also sounds a lot like her. How important is it to do you think to preserve like is what's the balance that you guys find in preserving your individual voice when doing comedy versus like like giving into the the the, the bit or giving into the the sort of the the larger ensemble. Yeah, I think no. you have to pick and choose. Um, I think there's because like when, when you're doing comedy or theater or whatever for me the goal is to always entertain so whatever i'm doing it's like what will make this the most entertaining that being said when you're someone like um ali wong and it's it's just you on stage you need to be yourself and what is your perspective that is unique and i was watching james corden with my mom a couple nights ago and allison brie was one of the guests and she was talking about how apparently Disney was developing a She-Hulk series and they were looking for an Allison Breed type. <clears throat> and she said, I didn't know I was a type. I was always auditioning for like Anne Hathaway types and things like that. So to finally be a type, that's like you're in. You fucking wow. made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's my take on it. So be yourself because there's no one else like you kid (laughs) (laughs) but it's true and then like we're obviously working in a group it's just finding a nice balance between all of it right but you Mm -hmm. wanting everyone to be and in the words of um emily richardson's (laughs) be your best self of whatever that comedy um brand or whatever it is whatever your brand of comedy is i think it helps you be more like authentic and real in whatever you're doing like you have to know yourself for it to be believable and like relatable to people mm-hmm. so like have even if you're playing a character there's got to be something that like is resonating in you that makes it authentic and believable as a character yeah i mean if you're just faking it all the time i mean like before before we all kind of started working together um like a year and a half ago it was really hard for me to to put on any sort of like actual Emily into anything and I was like I must put on fake Emily all the time because uh people aren't gonna like the real Emily and um and so I think having examples like Ali Ali Wong um just being themselves is is incredibly helpful um to letting other people be themselves as well um mm-hmm. because like you can't you can't really do that until you like spend time working on this process right and working on this craft um, and understanding what your voice is, because it's uh, like you can't—it doesn't just like happen unless you're like constantly doing it. 
So it's, it's, yeah, that's a roundabout way of saying what I said earlier, which was just that she makes it easy to be yourself when you're, when you're looking for role models. Mm -hmm. I think in terms of a group, you've, it, when you're working with a group, it is important to find the right personalities to, to surround yourself with because they will bring out the best aspects of you or help you find aspects of your personality that will enhance the group. Like, I think we all work really, really well together because we're all generally nice people, but we all have our own little quirks and we kind of just build off on that. And I do find I am, I do act slightly different when I'm with other people or in certain groups because that's the role I feel like I need to be. But when I'm with these guys, I'm like, oh, I can be insane. This is excellent. <laughs> yeah, like we totally removed any reason to be embarrassed about anything. I feel like we've, we've talked about poop so much at this point that it, <laughs> there's nothing oh, yeah, else. do this. <laughs> but that, that, uh, that one sketch from your show, the, the warrior sketch, I was like, whoa. <laughs> it's like, it was just like, it was hilarious. And yeah. it was just, but it, it was kind of Ali Wong-y in that it was just, it just, it was there. And it was just like, stop being dicks about this. Like, just get your head on straight. It's just a little blood. Like, it, it, it was just so it was funny. It's period blood. You have to say yeah. it's about period it was blood. About period Julia wrote blood. that. Yes. It's so, it's such a funny, such a well-written sketch. And it was so yeah. fun to play with that sketch and like find little character nuances in the whole thing. It was really great. Carl. <laughs> Yeah. And one of the things I find um, really interesting about Ali Wong's special, this one in particular, I mean, she goes super dark in so many levels. I mean, about race and gender and, the, and power dynamics, mm-hmm. like these really heavy topics, but she keeps it light at the same time. Like she talks about poop a lot, for example, and various permutations. But like the the lifting the leg for the soft serve, and she never once calls it shit. Like she's yeah, like doo doo poop, and it's just like that keeps it at it. Like by not saying that word, it changes how the entire topic is addressed because it keeps it like at at this level in a way that I find really interesting. And like, how do you like balance? Like, what do you do to balance that? that darkness to light that funny to, to serious to get that core of like really interesting meat out while keeping it sort of fun and light well i am naturally an awkward person i've been told <laughs> so when things get a little serious i tend to do like weird i don't know i even introduce myself weirdly like so sometimes it is like a coping mechanism not to like get too dark i don't know if that's good or bad but it is what it is I would think like with the doo-doo, um, like if it, I don't know, like I don't, I think I probably swear more in my real life than I do in like comedy related things. Like I'm a big, as you know, uh, Matt, like a Gaffigan fan and with the doo-doo mm-hmm. jokes and like so many different permutations of the doo-doo joke, it reminds me of like a Jim Gaffigan horse joke or yeah. that, you know, and, um, but yeah, like calling it doo-doo as opposed to shit. Like if it doesn't need to be there, like we don't have to go crass in like terms of vulgar language, then you appeal, I don't know, to, to a broader audience. It's almost like a, a G or PG rated uh, sex talk among, you know, the most vulgar speaking people. It just doesn't, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nicer way to go about it sometimes and it's a little lighter. 
it makes it less of a you know taboo subject yeah mm. yeah makes it less uncomfortable or like crass yeah. kind of like a little cutesy bit yeah it takes a power away from the crap <laughs> and you can <laughs> just do whatever you want with it it just makes it so silly and like accessible exactly. to everybody yeah which um kind what what I originally thought of when you asked your question, Matt, was uh, my writing instructor uh, from Second City named Joel Buxton. Um, he met, he talked about how I think it was an Onion article where they were trying to address all the um, in New York City how everyone's being stopped in frisks, like that mm -hmm. new policy from the New York police. So they called it Stop and Kiss. <laughs> and like they just changed the name but everybody knew what this article was talking about so you just like kind of put it in a different framework it just kind of lets you look at it a certain way and makes people not afraid to talk about it yeah. um so i think that's also what she did was just like like when she was talking about her miscarriage like yes this is this awful thing but in my mom's world <laughs> it's like it's losing mm -hmm. a pair of shoes yeah. her words exactly yeah. so yeah there you go yeah, recontextualizing things so that you can understand it from a totally different point of view. And uh, mm -hmm. so much of writing is about point of view. So, um, so I think it's really fascinating to hear hers and apply it to my own writing. The end of that statement. <laughs> Period. <laughs> Period. <laughs> yeah. um, now, she she said she and I can. Uh, in, it's interesting. She said she was inspired and kind of mentored by Chris Rock and her dynamics on stage. I could, it doesn't, she doesn't sound like Chris Rock, but there's a Chris Rock owns the stage when he's on it. He like just prowls that stage, like a person who knows this is my house. You can come in and I'm going to just show you a good time. And I feel that she's very much the same way in that regard. And I think that it's just that, that, Again, shamelessness and ownership of the comedic voice. Um, are there any comedians that you can think of that she kind of reminds you of, or you, you feel like they have sim not necessarily similarities, but they kind of resonate uh, with with her material? Only because you mentioned how she uses the stage. I think of Mike Birbiglia and he's less stand-up and more storytelling but when it's so funny because he's just kind of like a softer spoken guy and he's not so physical but when he speaks you're just so immersed in the story he's telling you forget about all the empty space around him yeah like it's really impressive so I definitely that use of space but also the way he uses his voice because that's just storytelling but I love the way that Ali Wong uses her voice because yeah she does the yelling like I need to lock him down but she also will get really close to the mic and say this is how you do it listen to me I'm a genius <laughs> like just how she goes up and down it's yeah. so effective <laughs> yeah it sounds like a she's she's got everybody sort of wrapped around her finger and you can see the control in her eyes too and just yeah. her pacing as she goes across and she's like and now I'm coming in and it's just a, it's a very in control, like powerful stance that she takes. Um, I kind of like Chappelle in a way will do that too. You know, mm -hmm. he's just like, you're all waiting for what I'm going to say. And yeah. trust me, it's going to be good. <laughs> well worth it. Like uh, there's a couple of comedians that I've, I've, I think 
like when I watch her material, it kind of reminds me in a way of like a progression of their material. And that's Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers and how, especially in how she speaks about her husband um, in that like, oh, he's my delightful goof kind of, kind of way that she locked down and she's, she's got it. And actually in her, and Joanne, you'd probably remember that in the second show, she had him selling merch. Yeah. So I, I actually bought a poster from him. Yeah. He, he, he made, so I'm like, I've met Ali Wong's husband. That's she a so on purpose. She's like, go meet him and buy the merchandise. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was, she used it as a selling factor too. And it was like, <laughs> that is so multi-layered and clever. Uh, but yeah, like, you know, when Phyllis Diller would talk about Fang or when Joan Rivers would talk about Edgar, it was loving, but also, oh, this guy's just such a schmo. Like just, just such a, such a dummy that I got, like I incepted him and he's doing exactly what I'm the boss. And it's just like, I, I feel it kind of carries that forward into a, a more modern context. And mm. I, that's, that's something else because I, you know, I, I have podcasts talking about comedy history. So it's like history where there's like, there's a lineage there that I find really delightful. Mm. What I, what I liked about her talking about her husband, though, is when she, like, turned around on herself that she was a sucker for paying $70,000, so it kind yeah. of put them on evil, even ground, because, like, she's sort of, like, berating him, like she says, like, in her special, like, but he's in on the joke, like, too, so it's not like she's being, like, mean to him, yeah. <laughs> which I thought was a clever way to, like, bring it back and, like, put, you know, equal it out again. Yeah. Learning um, lessons. Yeah. It's like the new comedy of the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I read that he likes her now to run jokes by him that involve him <laughs> yeah uh, that's fair that's yeah. fair yeah, yeah. So I, and I, since I started doing stand up I will run my my bits by Heather and she's like you don't mention my name and I'm like look I'm not I'm just like mentioning that you know because it's weird to say my wife I'm not like Borat or something. I'm just like, do you want me to make up a fake name? Like my my wife Alexandra. I don't know. Like (laughs) so yeah. But it's 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 one of those funny things where you have to like your partner is such a part of your your life and experience. You need the they have to be a part of them. If you're ignoring that, you're you're ignoring comedy gold. Um, But at the same time, you don't want to like make them feel weird. You, know, you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable. And, and and even when she's like being like poking at him, there's still a lot of poking back at herself. It's, it, it never feels mean spirited or, or unequal in, in how she's distributing it. She speaks about it. Like, she, like, I mean, the, the whole top of the bit is this was my whole plan and everything that I've done up until this point has been by my accord. So like, you know, she might be like punching down like a little bit, but it is balanced still. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And then just, I love the, the, the lack of fucks she has. Mm-hmm. Like, like, just like the stuff, like when she's talking about, like, again, you know, on so many things, like, like when she calls out the, the coworker for giving her crap about being late. And it's like, well, I've heard you shit. <laughs> or, or when she talks about like, um, the moistness and stuff mm-hmm. where it's just like oh boy <laughs> but i love that too because she was then and then to smell your fingers to be like gotta make sure everything's okay but it's just like such a thing that you know it's a weird thing to see someone do for sure 
but you're also yeah, like, in no, a like, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I know the last time I checked for a foul smell in a meeting. So, um, but it makes me not so scared to do that bathroom stall sketch we talked about. Remember that? Yes. Oh, yeah. And we, we talked at great lengths about our worst yes. bathroom stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure Very we will real. again. Like the time I got trapped in a bathroom and the boss that I really hated was there and like talking to him. I was like sobbing in the corner of this bathroom stall. And she's like, she's talking to this other woman, I don't know, for like 45 minutes or something. And I'm stuck there for 45 <laughs> minutes listening to her talk. And I'm still there. And the, the other woman leaves and my boss gets into the stall next to me, takes a big hairy fucking shit and then leaves. It doesn't even wash her hands. And like, this is before COVID, okay? Like she didn't wash her motherfucking hands. Mm. Bathroom stories. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned, BCE, got a lot of shit on the way. Yeah. Do-do. Do-do. Do you all have like a favorite bit? from the special like there's one that stands out that's like oh that's just genius there are times where i'll like just jokingly try to like reach for wes's butthole like not even (laughs) just general like he could just be doing the dishes and i'll just like go in for a little and he just goes (laughs) (laughs) and so that reaction from her i'm just like yes right like yeah, why do they jump so high when we try to touch their buttholes? It's bizarre. <laughs> I know, doesn't see it coming. <laughs> I like, I always go back to the the mom wanting to hold on to the calculator in, instructions. Because I remember those calculators and they were like torture for me. And I never really understood why I was like graphing things and the problems they would give me. So, like, that worked for me. The fact that she was, like, fighting with her mom to, like, hold on to them. And, like, just the stuff that I have found in my own house that I cannot, like, get rid of because it's so, like, embedded in me that I might need these things one day. Like, that, I think, because it was so early on in the show, too. And when I first saw it, I was like, yes. Like, she gets me. I get this. That was my favorite bit. Yeah, that really resonated with me, too. And I, I mean, my mother is not from a third, third world country, but she hoards things, like, anything um and so yeah I can actually picture my high school calculator in this cupboard in my parents house with like tons of other shit packed in there um from my whole childhood that is still there and she will not get rid of um and I fight every day to not be like that yeah (laughs) purge purge Marie Kondo that shit. Yeah. (laughs) Which is a thing I noticed right off the bat is that because she was referencing her Kindle, she referenced Marie Kondo's book, Tidying Up, before any of us Mm -hmm. up north knew what the hell that was. Yes. (laughs) So ahead of the curve. And I'm like, Netflix. Just full circle. (laughs) Yes. It's a cult. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, are there any comedians that you think, like, she has a very powerful energy and very, that, that ownership of material um like there's a couple of it's funny sammy you mentioned amy schumer because i kind of feel like there is a similarity there but amy schumer is much hackier in how she does it i mean i there are amy schumer bits i enjoy um and like putting aside the allegations of joke theft and everything but i i find she does a similar kind of material but it's just not as refined um even to the point where she did her special while pregnant and i was like you're ripping off Ali Wong right yeah. now. You're you're just totally stealing her, stealing that. 
Uh, but then on the other end of the spectrum, there's Amy Heller, or Emily Heller, excuse me, Emily Heller, who I find super freaking hilarious, again, because of the no fuck attitude of like, this is my, me, just suck it up and buckle up because I'm going to be funny. So is there anybody that stands out in any of your mm -hmm. minds, like sketch or stand up, like any kind of comedian or comedic performer that, that you, you kind of feel has that similar kind of vibe? Yeah, I think Chelsea Peretti, like, jumps to mind immediately, and, uh, mm. like, all of the writing that she's done on sitcoms, but then also her specials, and then her, her podcast, her super weird podcast, where she has people call her on Skype, and then she kind of yells at them for a while. <laughs> Unsolicited advice. I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's still going, but she used to do this, like, ages ago, but, um, like, she, even, like, her, uh, her character in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I feel like, is so similar to the, the special that she put out um, however many years ago, um, where it is just like, it, you must accept who I am, and I don't care if you don't. The end. It's not, it's not necessarily like, I don't give a fuck, because like, they do. They do care. They, they really do care. Um, but what they care about is that they are true to themselves, I think. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a really clear distinction that you have to make there that, um, like, I, I could say all the time, like, I don't give a fuck, but I have learned in therapy that that's a coping mechanism, and I do give a fuck, but I, what, I, what I know I care about and what I think I resonate with, with these women um, is that they, they don't care whether other people accept them for who they are or not because they know that they accept themselves. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. Mm -hmm. That's how I feel about, like, Mindy Kaling, too, like, Mm. She, I find her and Ali Wong are sort of similar, just that they're really both really opinionated, have like similar, like, I, I think upbringings. I'm not really sure, but like just the way, because they're they are both strong and they like have a big ego, but it's like in a funny way where they also like blurt out their insecurities and they're like mm. not afraid to say it, which I love about them because I, it just makes it, um. I, I don't know, like, just, like, funny, like, I, I know that I'm my own hero, but also I have all these flaws, but that's what makes me, like, unique and cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, Joanne, I love that you say you're your own hero, and it just makes me think of the video we made of you singing to yourself. <laughs> I'm Joanne! I, I want everyone to see it. Oh, it's yeah. the best video I think I've ever helped anyone make ever in my life. <laughs> oh, you gotta, I gotta link to that. Every birthday, I will <laughs> yeah, watch that. <laughs> I took a survey the other day about like my personality and it like told me all these things and when I feel like really good it's like when I like know my personality and how I perceive myself all align and I took this like quiz and it told me that I was like the best ever and I was like damn straight I am I was, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yes. reinforcement yes. <laughs> but very true she yeah so I feel like Ali Wong and Mindy they have this like that like it comes together and you can feel it it's like magical like and she's on. not on it like she to that point like she's she's on an even ground with her audience you know it's not like i'm up here you're down there like we're like status is straight up we're people and i'm just happen to have a microphone i'm going to tell you the nitty-gritty about my butt his butt everyone's butt and doo-doo <laughs> you know and you're just like yeah it's you're really real nice. you really get it <laughs> Uh, any any other comedians that you guys can think of? Or? In terms of 
personality and also in their set talking about what it's like to be an older woman would be Leslie Jones. I really enjoyed mm. her recent special. Um, and just in everything she does, I love her Instagram, especially when the Olympics are on. Yes. And she discovers curly and can't stop talking about the pants. I love it. She was also a guest judge on RuPaul's Drag Race last season. And even though she's a judge, she's on the panel and they're filming everything, she is still blatantly recording everything with her phone and just like, yeah! <laughs> like she just does not care. Yeah. Well, like, I'm uh, excited. Yeah. Like what I love about her too. Wish you could do. Yeah, exactly. Like with her, she's like an older person who like hit it big. Like she's 45, 46. Like well, uh, she's 52. 52. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So so yeah, like she was like in her mid 40s when when her career blew up, and she'd been slogging away for for decades. And and so that she's like enjoying every moment of it, like being able to do panels about like Game of Thrones because she fucking loves Game of Thrones. So she's gonna talk to Seth Meyers about Game of Thrones on, on his show. Cool. And yeah, so I, I yeah that, that I love that about her too. Free reign at that point. Like she wore That's a cool. knee brace in her special. Like <laughs> like badass. Like, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany Haddish is very much like that too in her book. Yeah. Mm. I haven't watched any of her specials, but I've read her book and seen her movies because she yeah. makes me laugh. And so I will watch them for infinity. But she doesn't, she's, yeah. she's also very much a like, I am who I am and accept it and move on. Yeah. Because <laughs> oh, I'm she, having a great time. <laughs> she talks about, yeah. uh, I'm trying to, she, talk, she had this one performance where it just totally bombed. Like yeah. for whatever reason, and she just like she, she doesn't pretend it didn't happen. And in that moment, she's just like she just owned it and enjoyed it and stuff. So yeah, it's like, like she has that that like uh, this is my experience. Mm -hmm. It just makes it adds to the flavor of life, and that's why I find, like all of these people we're talking about, I find it, that that seems to be like a recurring theme is like just embrace it all because it mm -hmm. all it's all worth sort of celebrating in a different mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. Are there any comedians, like female comedians or women identifying comedians that aren't like that? I think they're... One comedian, uh, so, yeah. who? I thought was, a, was it Beth Stelling or Elizabeth Stelling? Beth I'm Stelling. Really, yeah, I like her so much. Like, she's not the biggest personality on stage, yeah. but she's very down to earth. She talks about her experiences and how yeah. ridiculous they are, but she doesn't beat herself down like a lot of other female comedians yes. that we've talked about too i feel like she's a gem she's yeah. one of my favorites well check out the comedy on book club episode where we first discussed simply the beth and then the follow-up episode where i interview her <gasps> via telephone Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, on it <laughs> yeah lucky lucky devil yeah i mean i, I kind of think like there's a couple of comedians and i don't want to name names that i've seen because like, they're they're smaller profile and stuff um and i don't want to be like throwing shade at people mm. who, who mm. i like but like where i've seen them in real life or seen them online where it's like there's very it's self-deprecatory without the uplifting component mm -hmm. um and i mean like if we you know we, we, um every time i go to talk about this goddamn special i forget the name nanette in nanette the, that that's sort of the gist of it of like oh we have to tear ourselves down to make ourselves seem funny and i mean i think you see that more in like insult comedy or like um there's like the, the 
Hannah Gadsby? Han well, no, no. I, you know, yes, Hannah Gadsby for Nanette, but um, that sort of like roast world where it's sort of like there's a negativity that just runs through the comedians. So uh, Whitney Cumming. Elena, Elena Glazier too. Yeah, like they're both people that I, I enjoy, but I, it's like, I like them now more once they got past that. But when their earlier stuff, there was that negativity there that I think they're still finding that balance. Um, so yeah, I think it's a phase that a lot of, I mean, that I think all age you know, too and like getting, going through experiences yeah. maturing and stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, every comedian has to figure out their voice. And I think for the, mm -hmm. I mean, you chase the laugh, especially in stand up where there's literally, it's like you and Mike in the audience. So there's not that buffer there. So you have to like, what's the, what's, what's the easy laugh? And it's that struggle between you know, endearing yourself and what's going to make people laugh. Oh, if you tear yourself down, because that makes them feel that, oh, you don't take yourself too seriously, then I'm going to like you kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, culturally, I think there's a, there's, and I mean, I don't know, you could all speak to this better than I could, but there's that sort of cultural pressure for, for women and people who identify as women to like not step up and, and like not thought to put themselves like because it's like the stereotype of bossy mm -hmm. like she talked like talk about you can't say bossy uh or or all this stuff like and, and that's discussed in lean in which she discusses in there so yeah i think it all sort of plays through that uh, i don't know <laughs> that's my rumination sure, just saying for sure yeah and and like as the comedian if that's the way you're doing comedy or going through that phase it, it like must get tiring to yeah. think of other negative stuff and then you would attract that also as your audience you know and like mm -hmm. it, the, this I don't know if it's a shift but it, the sort of like unwavering confidence like yo I'm telling you my story this is what's up people flock to that I find it's just just true honesty and and storytelling and people can relate to or want to be at least in the presence of maybe a little more positivity and i think mm -hmm. ali wong totally encapsulates all of that and there's a ton of comedians like her and it's just like that's so nice like you want to be in a space that is welcoming mm -hmm. i think you know like uh, as a society we're also kind of evolving in the type of media that we consume and the type of advertising we consume too right like there was a time where you could say like buy this sugar because it is good for growing children and babies and like that is no longer the case. People aren't stupid, dumb, dumb idiots. Like we're well-informed about a lot of things. And uh, mm -hmm. you know, Alicia, to your point about people are flocking to that type of energy. I think it is not just the positivity, but it's the honesty and the authenticity yeah. of what people are bringing to the table now. Cause like, if you're just, so like I had a really shitty experience with Jim Jeremush. No, Jim Jeffries, not Jim Jeremush, the <laughs> filmmaker. Jim Jeffries, Jeff Jeffries, yep. which, whatever he's a fucking shithead um i watched his <laughs> special and this is why i don't watch a lot of comedy specials i watched it and i was like this is a fucking sexist piece of garbage shit and i tweeted that and i tagged him because i was like a half a bottle of wine in and i was like fuck you and yeah. then he sent his goddamn motherfucking minions on me and like i woke up the next day to a shitstorm on twitter of a bunch of no. men yelling really? at me telling him to get back in the kitchen you fat ugly cunt whore <gasps> whoa what? yeah wow controls yeah. i'm like well okay yeah. so you have proven my point yeah. but whatever yeah yeah 
still uh, just like wow way to go out of your way <laughs> so seriously though i just watched some the taylor swift um miss america yeah and it was so good and it's kind of like her story of like being that like quiet like taught to be polite girl to like learning educating herself and then like unlearning like patriarchy and starting like learning that it's okay to stand up for yourself and don't apologize and and I think that is so great and that's what I meant by like you know you're maturing you're going through these Mm -hmm. experiences and like you also know that you don't want to take it anymore like that's enough like I've had enough of this and like I have my own personality and life this is like not okay that you're doing certain things I feel like Ali Wong her special she sort of joked about that when she was saying like like colonizing the colonizer and like yeah but I think it's I think that kind of comedy to me is is refreshing and like because it, it isn't punching down it's also like showing like the mechanisms of like the patriarchy or like the systems that we're in in a, like a funny mm-hmm. way and a, and a way that we can understand yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. educational yeah as well as funny <laughs> it truly is like I'm learning yeah, um, okay, so last question. Uh, I'll sort of work my way around the the ring, sort of closing thoughts kind of thing. Uh, would you would you recommend this special, and do you think it's an important special? So we'll start with you, Joanne, since you're the first in the rotation there. I think it is an amazing special. It's the one comedy special I think that really awoken awakened like a comedy thing in me. Like seeing mm-hmm. her, obviously, as an like an Asian person being funny, like also like born in like North America, like it, she has that voice, but it's also, I don't know, just like so good. And she's around our age, like as I already mentioned around my age. Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend it to each and every person, especially if you want to understand me. <laughs> <laughs> Alicia, what are your thoughts? Um, yes, I highly, highly recommend everyone should see it. I think for me personally watching that, it was inspiring and and motivating to just continue to find that voice. Like, I don't know if I've found my voice in comedy or we're always working towards that, but it was certainly um, an example of someone that just, that keeps trying. And I don't know a ton of her, um, her other works, um, writing background, but like certainly we'll be diving in now. So that was a a tipping point so thank you for nominating that netflix special and julia oh absolutely i was the one, one of the ones i wanted to watch this originally um i did forget just how much she talks about poop in this and how <laughs> crass it can be so i will keep that in mind if i ever recommend it to someone but i think in terms True. of performance and writing it's one of the strongest mm-hmm. and it's always stuck out in my mind. So it's a plus plus for me in regards to comedy special. Excellent. And Sam. Thanks. Yes. Um, yes. I would, rec- <laughs> I would, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. Um, I think, I mean, for all the reasons we talked about, it's a pro- like accessible for a lot of different people. Um, I think a wide range of people will find it funny. I, think for women there's a lot of relatable things but I was watching a bit of it last night and Dylan was laughing obviously you liked it Matt so um yeah I thought like if I had to choose one like I found the start wasn't like staying off funny for me like I kind of had to get into it a bit and Mm -hmm. um so I would say like maybe stick with it a little bit my only thing was yeah maybe like the first 
five, 10 minutes weren't laugh out loud for me. But overall, I thought it was great. Awesome. And Emily? Uh, yeah, I, I would 100% recommend it. I'm fairly certain Ali Wong will not send a bunch of evil people after you on Twitter <laughs> if you talk shit about her. And you, you shouldn't because she's very funny. <laughs> She'll also just come after you herself. It's fine. Probably. Yes. Yeah. Just knocking on your door. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'd be like, oh, it worked. My plan yeah. worked. I bamboozled <laughs> you, Allie. <laughs> Here's my spec script. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I win. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you very much for being on the show. And is there anything that you guys want to plug or tell people about? Yes. Uh, Yes. When does this come out, Matt? This is going to be coming out. Uh, not. This is going to be coming out next month. Well, not, okay. Not so in April, um, June. Sorry, it'll be coming out in, in June. Okay. So as of now, we have already premiered our new music video, Spanx, and you can find it as long as it has not been taken down by the good people at the Spanx Corporation. <laughs> by this time, but we could send you a secret link. Julia and I made a music video from a sketch we wrote in. There's a siren in the background. Uh, it, when we were in the writing program at Second City, and so we are we are announcing and launching that uh, on Friday, May 8th, which is way before this came out. So go watch it on our YouTube channel and subscribe to Big Chick Energy on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And our website, Big and Chick website. Energy Sketch. That is another place to find us. Excellent. Great. Oh, th thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for having us, Matt. Wonderful host. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.